I was telling the Holy Sacristans before Mass that in seminary they used to pound into our heads that we should live our lives in accord with the liturgical calendar. So all week I was thinking about Sunday being the solemnity of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Mother of God, and it didn't hit me till 3 p.m. yesterday that today is also the new year. So the seminary formators were successful in teaching me something as much as I resisted them. Today, of course, is the solemnity of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Mother of God, and it's on January 1st. And so the church did what she usually does. She'll take a secular holiday and she'll sort of baptize it. She'll consecrate it. And so we made it the solemnity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The Old Testament in the Davidic kingdom, the kingdom of David and his successors, there were three key figures. First, you had the king, originally David, and then David's descendants. And this was a big deal because God had promised David that either him or one of his heirs would rule over the kingdom of Israel forever. It was a promise that God had made him. The second key figure was the prime minister. Sometimes he's also called the head of the royal household. And the 22nd chapter of Isaiah tells us that his distinctive feature was he was given the, key, the keys to the royal city, to the city of Jerusalem, the city of David. And finally, you had the queen. During the time of Solomon, Israel did what was becoming common in the ancient Near East. The queen was not one of your wives, but was in fact your mother. And part of that was practical. Solomon had hundreds of wives, so it would have been an interesting dynamic if he had to choose one of them to be queen. It's probably also an interesting dynamic when your mother is the queen of your kingdom, but I digress. So early on in the New Testament, we see then the apostles, they're going about, and they are preaching that the kingdom of David has been restored. And then Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, and especially in his letter to Hebrews, he calls the church the kingdom of David. It's the restored kingdom. The Old Testament kingdom was an image, a type of the church, the new kingdom of David. And so when we examine the church, we must find those three figures. Otherwise, we're not a fitting and proper manifestation of the Old Testament kingdom of David. And so we have our Lord Jesus Christ, the king. And this is why you see Paul and Matthew going to great lengths to show that Jesus is a descendant of David. They're saying he is the Davidic king. He is the fulfillment of that prophecy. He will reign over the church for all eternity. You also have the head of the royal household, Peter. When our Lord gives the keys to the kingdom of heaven to Peter, our Lord knows what he's doing. He knows the Old Testament better than I. He knows he's establishing him sort of in this head of the royal household position and gives him the keys to his kingdom. And then finally, you have his mother. And that is why we call her the queen, the queen of the church. She fulfills that role which the mother and the queen fulfilled in the kingdom of David. When we call Mary the mother of God, we have to distinguish and be careful about what we are talking about. We are not saying that Mary gave birth to Jesus' divinity. God is God. He is eternal. 
He is existence itself. He doesn't need anybody to give birth or to create or to cause his divinity. She did, however, give birth to his humanity. And so the second person of the Trinity, the Word, when he took humanity onto himself in the person of Jesus Christ, Our Lady gave birth to that person who was both God and both man. And since she was the mother of, hu of his humanity, we say she is the mother of God. And that is why in, the, in Luke, in the visitation, she's addressed as the mother of my Lord. If we go back then to the Old Testament and we look at the queen in the Davidic kingdom, we see all of the things which Mary does for us. The queen had an important role in the royal government. 13th chapter of Jeremiah says the queen wore a crown. So in Revelation 12, when it's talking about the mother of the Messiah having a crown of 12 stars, it's referencing this queen with the 12 tribes of Israel or the 12 apostles, the queen of the church of the kingdom of David. We also see that the queen in the Davidic kingdom had an intercessory role. The book of Kings presents the queen as interceding for her people. She's sort of the advocate of her people. She's sort of the mother of the whole kingdom and of every person within it. And that's what we see Mary doing for the church. She intercedes for us. She's our advocate. She watches over us. She defends us. This in no way takes away from the mediatorship of Jesus Christ. Paul is clear there's one mediator between God and man. But Paul, who always recommends that we pray for one another, recognizes that even with that one mediator, Jesus Christ, we can be mediators for one another with our Lord. And so Mary, like the queens of the Old Testament, sits at the right hand of her son, and she intercedes for us with that mediator. She defends us. She brings our wants, our needs, our cares to her son, and through her son we receive all things. And so this year, as we consecrate it now to the Virgin Mary, the Mother of God, I implore you early and often to appeal to this queen, to the mother of our Lord, ask her for her assistance, pray the rosary, be devoted to her, celebrate all of the feasts that we celebrate in her honor throughout the year, visit an image of Mary often and invoke her intercession. You will see that she is a caring mother, that she takes good care of you, and that she fulfills the role which was foreshadowed in the Davidic kingdom as a defender and an intercessor and a caring mother for all of you. And if you do that, you will have truly a happy, a blessed, and a sacred new year.